Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening to Bible Crosswire every week at this same time. <clears throat> if you'd like to call in and ask a Bible question, please do so. The lines are wide open. This is a discussion program. It's not just a lecture program. You're able to call in and make comments. Tell us what you think the Bible teaches on any particular issue you might think is important. We're willing to consider what you have to say. You know, in one of my phone studies recently, my student made the comment that his pastor had told him that we keep the Sabbath today by picking out a day of the week to try to sin less on that day. That bespeaks of an attitude I hear expressed a lot, that we all sin, therefore it is okay to sin. It's true that none of us will live without sin, 1 John. One eight, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to live without sin. First John two one reads, "My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not." In Exodus twenty twenty, Moses said unto the people, "Fear not, for God is come to prove you that ye sin not." Psalms four four says, "Stand in awe and sin not." First Corinthians fifteen thirty four instructs, "Awake to righteousness and sin not." And 1 Peter 2, 21 and 22 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And so God commands us not to sin. God instructs us to follow the example of Christ in living above sin. And if that is our goal, sinless perfection, then we will be disappointed whenever we do not meet our goal. So we will repent. On the other hand, if our goal is to obey only 50% of God's law, then we will be satisfied when we only do 50% and will not repent. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. As I said, the lines are wide open. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Another who couldn't dispute the fact that Matthew 19.9 showed her current marriage was adulterous replied that, quote, it serves as a reminder that if we could have kept the law, there would have been no reason for him to die. Referring to actions like terminating such unscriptural marriages, she wrote, when you do that, you're negating Christ dying on the cross. You're saying that I don't need Christ. I can just go back and deal with God's law. This is the attitude that I'm talking about. That we can just continue in sin because the death of Christ will take care of it. But Romans 6, 1-2 proves that incorrect. In the Old Testament, God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy 5, verse 29, quote, Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. And in the New Testament, James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So God expects us to obey everything in his law all the time until we die. The number to call, 877-655-6755, if you have a Bible question or comment. And when we fail, when we sin, 
1 Corinthians 10, 13 proves it is always our fault. As it reads, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. We shouldn't blame our sin on Adam or anybody else. It's our fault. And if we want to be forgiven of our sin, we have to repent of it. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 explains that God is, quote, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So those who steal must quit stealing, Ephesians 4, 28, to be forgiven. Those who cuss must quit cussing, Ephesians 4, 29. Those who lie must quit lying, Revelation 21, verse 8. Those in homosexual relationships must terminate those relationships, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. And those in adulterous marriages must terminate those marriages, Matthew 19, 9. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. Give us a call. Let's talk about obedience a little bit. Revelation 19.16 calls Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, a common idea seems to be that as long as a person believes in Jesus, it doesn't matter so much if they actually live in obedience to Jesus. But there's a big difference in just believing a king exists and diligently serving that king. Think about the 13 colonies in 1776. Did they believe the king of England existed? Well, of course. But did they want to serve him? Obviously not. John 12, 26 reads, If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall, you, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So that passage teaches that we have to serve Jesus if we want to be where he's going to be in heaven. And serving Jesus means that we're going to follow him. It teaches that we have to serve Jesus to be saved. So it's not enough just to believe that the King, Jesus, exists. We have to serve the King, Jesus. And there's a big difference. You know, Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So the only people going to heaven are those that do the will of the Father. What about believers? People say, all you got to do is believe. What about believers that don't do the will of the Father? Well, they won't enter to heaven, according to Matthew 7, 21. Tyrone from Oregon, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. All right. Um, so, um, would you would you say that, like, the Ten Commandments, yeah, they still stand, and that um, there's kind of a standard of righteousness that we're supposed to meet, and that when we fall short... Um, of, you know, fulfilling his law, that that's when Jesus' blood covers us? No, to both questions. In Colossians 2, 14 through 17, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, okay. blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So here's some ordinances, Tyrone, that Jesus blotted out, took out of the way, and nailed to his cross. 
Does it still? Does it sound like we still have to keep those ordinances? Well, so like, I mean, with God's commandments, it says that we're to you know obey His law, and if we sin, you know, like in like if we fail to do uphold one of His commandments, then we you know not upheld any of them. So like, Tyrone, thank you, life. thank you for your call, Tyrone. But I was asking if in Colossians two fourteen. When it says that Jesus blotted out these ordinances, that that they took them out of the way and nailed them to the cross, do we have to keep those ordinances? Well, obviously not. Well, in verse 16, he says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, respect of a holy day or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath day is specifically mentioned as one of the ordinances that Jesus blotted out, took out of the way, nailed to the cross. So obviously we don't have to keep the Ten Commandments today. The Old Testament law has been done away. We're not under that law. That was just for the Jews anyway. Today, all of us are under the New Testament law. So when we're talking about obedience, how that we have to do the will of the Father, we're talking about His instructions in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament. New Testament, not in the Old Testament. Hebrews 5, 9 makes it clear we have to obey God, Christ, to be saved. It's talking about Jesus, it says, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So that would imply that if we don't obey Jesus, we won't receive the eternal salvation, the death of Christ. So it's not enough just to believe. You have to serve Jesus. You have to you have to obey Jesus in order to receive eternal salvation. And the point I was making is that we should try to live perfectly. Now, are we going to live perfectly? None of us do. We all sin. And this is this answer, this answer to the second question of this past caller. It's not that we keep the law the best we can and, and the blood of Christ makes up for our failures per se. What it is is we try to keep the law perfectly, and when we don't, we have to repent of our sins. And if we repent, God will forgive us. For example, in Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So we've got to repent and be baptized to get the remission of sins. So when we fail to keep God's New Testament law, we can't just say, well, I did 9 out of 10 right, and so the blood of Christ is going to take care of the other. No, James 2.10 said if you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. What we have to do is we have to repent of that in order to receive forgiveness based upon the blood of Christ. Douglas from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hello, thank you for your time. Um, I haven't really organized the question that great, but if, um, let's say uh there's some believers that don't make it um during the rapture if there if there were to be one um do they become tribulation saints or how or can you explain what tribulation saints are i don't i don't recall that term being in the bible tribulation oh. saints do you have a verse in the bible that says there's such a thing as a tribulation saint? Uh, well it's just stuff that i hear about i haven't really mm-hmm. uh, Okay, are you talking um, about a believer that you said that didn't make it? You mean a believer that's not being obedient, that kind of believer? Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, well, you know, there's an example of some believers who didn't, who weren't, who didn't follow through on their belief. Um, uh, Douglas, I don't know if you have your Bible handy, but if you can turn to John 12, 42 and 43... And by the way, let me mention to the audience, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. So in John 12, 42 and 43, Douglas, it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, 
they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of okay. the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So here we have some believers. They weren't willing to follow through on their belief. They weren't willing to confess Christ. So obviously they weren't pleasing to God, were they, Douglas? No. I, I'm, I'm looking at another passage I haven't read yet. Revelation 22:14. Douglas, listen to this. It says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Well, this is talking about the gates of the city of heaven where the tree of life will be. And it says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to go there. So that would imply that you're not going to heaven unless you do his commandments. Right, Douglas? Yeah. Yeah, well, we've already read that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Wouldn't that, Douglas, imply that if we don't obey Christ, we won't receive eternal salvation? Yes, that's what that means. Yep. So, so when we're talking about the rapture, you, you read about that in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Rapture simply means caught up. It's a Latin word for caught up. It's talking about that the people who are alive at that time, the faithful Christians, will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And the dead in Christ, though it said, will rise first. And so the rapture is at the same time as the end of the world. The, the, there's a lot of false teaching taught about the rapture. The rapture is at the end of the world. That's when all the faithful Christians will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall they, so shall they ever be with the Lord, that verse says. And that's when everybody, the, the, the people who've been following God, uh, serving God, will go to heaven and the wicked will go to everlasting punishment. And so, so when that happens, everybody's fate will be sealed, Douglas. Does that make sense? You're either serving Christ or you're not serving Christ. If you're serving Christ, you're going to go with Christ to heaven. And if you're not, you're going to go be with the devil forever mm -hmm. in H-E-L-L. You follow me, Douglas? Yeah, and I think that's where um, those pre-tribulation uh, pre and the other tribulation theories, that's where it's that's how I came up with that question because it gets confusing. Okay. You know, let me read to you a pretty simple passage that may clear things up for you, Douglas, and all this talk about the pre-tribulation and all that. In Second Peter okay. chapter 3, 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, basically what's going on here is people are kind of mocking and saying, look, Jesus Christ promised to come back, the second coming of Christ, and, and where is it? They're kind of mocking. Where is it? In, yeah. So in verse 9, he explains why the second coming of Christ hasn't happened yet. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's saying what I was saying a while mm -hmm. ago, that if you want to avoid perishing, you got to repent. And the reason he's putting off the second coming is because he's hoping more people will repent. So follow me so far, Douglas? Yes, I do. Now verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, so this day of the Lord that is talking about here, Douglas, is the day when Christ comes back, the second coming of Christ. That's what the, the context is talking about. And it says when that happens, the earth's going to be burned up. That's going to be the end of the world. Yeah. You're going to have the judgment say. So all this talk about Jesus coming back and reigning physically after he comes back, there's not going to be room for that, Douglas, because this verse says the earth, when Jesus comes back that second time, the earth's going to be burned up. 
Do you see that? Second Peter three verse ten, Douglas. Um. Well, I don't have to my virtual. Um. I can get to it right now. Second Peter. I'm sorry. Second Peter chapter three verse ten. Okay. While you're turning there, let me mention another passage that teaches that we have to obey Christ to be saved. James 2.24 says, a lot of people teach you're saved by faith only, but James 2.24 says, ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So clearly, if you're going to listen to God, you'll understand that salvation's not by faith only, but it's by faith that works. It says, you're saved by works, not by faith only. 1 Peter 1.22 says, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. So, of course, we're, our souls are purified. Our sins are washed away by the blood of Christ. When? When we believe? No, when we obey the truth. But, Douglas, did you get to Second Peter 3, verse 10 yet? Yes, I'm there. Do you see how it's saying on the day of the Lord, That's the, in which is talking about the second coming of Christ, if you look at verses 3 and 4, yeah. on the day of the Lord, the earth's going to be burned up and everything's going to be burned up. That's going to be the end of the world. So, mm, so you don't have to yeah. worry about all this pre-tribulation, post-tribulation. That's just a bunch of things that men kind of just made up, you know, to try to sell, make a dollar selling a book. Because the Bible yeah. is clear, when Christ comes back that second time, that's the end of the world. There's not going to be any tribulation after that. Christ comes and, back, that's the end of the world. And then also, um, sorry for interrupting, that's why there's that, um, that one scripture, verse, the verse that says, if we endure to the end, so that means... All other the saints um, that do make it to the end, right? Like that means we're still going to go through all the tribulations, the seven years, and etc. Um. Well, you'd have to give me a, a a reference to try to support uh, what you're saying. The Bible does say in Revelation two verse ten. It's I'm looking at Revelation chapter two verse ten. It says. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So if we are faithful, even if we're persecuted to the death, or even to the end of our life, we're going to receive a crown of life. But I guess a lot of this other things that you're talking about, you know, are probably not in the Bible. Maybe we can talk about that more offline, Douglas. Let's get a hold of each other after the program is over and talk, okay? Okay, sounds good. Thank you for your Thank time. Thank you for your call, Douglas. Bye. Anton, you in Wisconsin? I am in Wisconsin now, uh, Patrick. Yeah, go ahead with uh, your Bible question or you, comment. You're, you're talking, you were talking uh, uh, today about uh, keeping commandments. I thought I heard you uh, quoting a uh, uh, verse out of De- Deuteronomy. Yeah, Deuteronomy uh, 5.29. Yeah, and then and then after that you said to the gentleman, we're not talking about the Old Testament, we're only talking about New Testament. That's uh, right. So uh, my question to you is this. You say that uh, it's, it's impossible for us to keep all the commandments. So if, if, if someone uh, say, uh, and, then, and then if we repent, then, then uh, God forgives us, right? Right. We, we repent and we're forgiven based upon the blood of Christ. Yeah, right. so... So if someone doesn't get baptized and he is, he, he says, you know, he repents of the, of the not, for not get, uh, being baptized. So what, does that mean that, uh, that God will forgive that person for not being baptized? Well, when you, when you uh, repent of stealing, what, what, what does that mean? You know, repentance, Anton, means a change of mind leading to a change of action. So when you repent of stealing, what do you do? 
but says that uh, you're no you, more, right? Yeah, you quit stealing. What if, what if you're a homosexual and you're in a homosexual relationship and you say, I repent of being a homosexual. What would that mean that you do? Do you stay, do you keep on having sex, the man with the man, or do you quit that? No, you would have to quit that, right? Yeah. So in Acts 2.38, it says we repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. So if, you're, if you haven't been baptized and you repent of that, then the very first thing you're going to do is get be baptized. Is you're going to be baptized. And that verse says you'll get oh, the remission okay. of sins when, you get, when you're baptized, just like in Acts 22.16. So Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, if you uh, if you're baptized, how how would you know if you had the remission of sin? I, I guess you were baptized twice, right? Once at uh, once as a bap- as as a Baptist and and once as a Church of Christ, right? I, I was I, when I was younger. I was baptized as a Baptist when they didn't, ba- but they didn't baptize me for the remission of sin. So when I studied passages like Acts two thirty eight that say you got to repent and be baptized. For the remission of sins, I saw that I'd never done that. I had been taught that you're saved first, and then you get baptized. So when I got baptized when I was a young person, I didn't get baptized for the remission of sins because I thought I already had the remission of sins. So when I studied this out when I was in college, I figured out that I'd never been baptized scripturally. Acts 2.38 says you've got to re- repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So I did that. You know, we don't need to take that lightly. If God says we've got to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, then that's exactly what we need to do. So we need to repent. For example, we mentioned if you're in an adulterous marriage, you've got to repent of that. You've got to get out of an adulterous marriage. And what do I mean by adulterous marriage? A marriage that violates passages like Matthew 19.9, where Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away their wife, except be for fornication and marry another, commits adultery. So if I were to divorce my wife for, say, incompatibility, the most common cause of divorce in Alabama, I marry again, a, a lady named Betty, just for example. Jesus calls that marriage adultery. What does repentance mean? I can't, I can't say I'm sorry and just keep on committing adultery. That'd be like uh, uh, people in the gay marriage saying I'm sorry and staying in the gay marriage. So I've got to get out of that adulterous marriage. Repentance is like that. It's a change of mind leading to a change of action. So we will repent... We're changing our mind about sin. We're going to live a different way and be baptized for the remission of sins. So if a person hadn't repented or if they hadn't been baptized for the remission of sins, then they hadn't received the remission of sins. And it's got to be for that reason. Just like in Matthew 19, 9, the verse we just quoted, the divorce, it says, whoever puts away their wife except it be for fornication, marries another, commits adultery. So anybody can see that if you get a divorce, if it's for fornication, that's a scriptural divorce. It's according to Matthew 19.9. If it's not for fornication, then it's unscriptural. And if you remarry, it's adultery. So it's unscriptural. God does not approve of it because it was for the wrong reason. You got divorced, but you got divorced for the wrong reason. Same thing with baptism. If you get baptized, but it's not for the remission of sins, like, for example, if you think you already got the remission of sins, then you get baptized later, then you didn't get baptized for the remission of sins. And if it's not for the right reason, it's unscriptural. God does not approve of it. And so the bottom line here is we have to obey God in everything that he says. And if we don't, we better repent of it so that we can receive forgiveness based upon the blood of Christ. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. You know, I have this favorite hymn, Trust and Obey. And you could almost read the title of that hymn, out of Second Thessalonians, 
chapter 1, verse 8. It says, In flaming fire, talking about God, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, to avoid the bad place, flaming fire, we're going to have to know God, trust God, we're going to have to obey the gospel. There you have it, what the song is talking about. A lot of people sing that, but they evidently don't mean it. It teaches you have to trust and obey to be pleasing to God. They say you don't have to obey. This says you've got to know God and obey the gospel to keep from being lost. It's pretty clear, isn't it? That's what the Bible teaches. Now, you may remember that I, on this program, like to offer a free one-hour phone Bible study. I'll be glad to call you sometime when it's convenient for you and study the Bible with you one-on-one over the phone for free. If you have an email address, I'll send you an outline ahead of time. If you're interested in that free one-hour phone Bible study, call or text me at 